Hey everybody, welcome back to the Multiverse Movie Podcast. I'm hosting Holtzapple. Alongside of me is George Rogers. We're doing it old school this weekend, everybody. Side by side. Um, this show is obviously a week late. This is George's uh, this is George's birthday episode, but we're doing this, we're recording this in person on my phone, like we did for the first like 30 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 25, 30 episodes. Um because I'm up visiting George for night two of uh, WrestleMania. So, um, and we've had a busy week, which is why this is George's. Um, so things have kind of shifted a little bit. So we're doing UHF today for George's birthday for the last week. Happy birthday, George, belated, even though we hung out on your birthday and went to dinner for your birthday and stuff like that. But uh, So the episode you were, we were supposed to do today will come out midweek coming up, and that'll be the fifth element uh, in honor of Bruce Willis's career. Uh, he reti- he announced his retirement due to uh, being diagnosed with aphasia, I believe it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll do something for that, and we might have something in store, big guarantee for that as well. Um, so um, you know, last the last two years we have done a WrestleMania review on this channel. Uh, we that will be on the Hot Tag podcast that we do. Well, George does full time with Chris. I am more of a part time guy, but I'm pretty sure for a while we'll be pretty, I'm going to be full time on there for a while. Because um, we're gonna do a lot of WCW stuff, so uh, keep an eye on that uh, this coming week. So that will that review will not be on this channel; it'll be on the Hot Tag channel, uh, ran by Chris and George, uh, and me when I feel like it. Um, mainly Chris. That's, that's been his baby for years. Yeah. Um, so, but here we are. We're gonna talk a little bit about uh, UHF, the great Weird Al Yankovic comedy, um, and I'm excited to see this, George. When was ooh? Some loud thunder, everybody. Yeah, some storms are about to supposed to roll in today. So got a little thunder there. Um, so George, when did you first see this movie? I clearly you didn't see this in theaters, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. I've like I've always known about this movie Mm -hmm. because it was one of those movies that uh, that my mom had recorded off a Showtime back in the day, so it was on a uh, on a recorded VHS tape, and it was just something that I've always watched like my entire life. Yeah, like I I I don't know my life outside of this movie. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of the same. Um, it's definitely a movie that I have just, it's been a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Couldn't like you couldn't really tell you where I first saw it. I just, cause I've been a lifelong weird Al fan. So I have just always known this movie. It's just always been there. Um, but yeah, it's always, it's one of my favorite comedies and it still holds up, but you know, oh yeah, day. like a lot of comedies, oh, yeah. a lot of comedies don't really hold up too well you watch them now and be like oh, you know it's, it's a good movie but i don't laugh at it anymore i remember watching this the other day and when he was making the hot dog on the road he was dipping in the milk and stuff like that the twinkie I, wiener sandwich yeah twinkie, yeah i was still laughing at that because it's, yeah. it's disgusting <laughs> yeah kevin's so. like oh how come we haven't made twinkie wiener sandwich i, I said it to him and he, was, he was just like yeah you know you're right he's, he's like why have we made twinkie wiener sandwiches yet and i'm like you haven't <laughs> <laughs> But it's you know, and, and and Al is always, Al has always been ahead of the curve. Like this movie was ahead of its time. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. absolutely for sure. So and, um, I mean, this, I mean, granted, this also came out on a blockbuster year in '89. Yeah, I mean, it came out in the summer of '89. Yeah, it had uh, Indiana Jones, Batman, Back and the Lethal Weapon two to to deal. Back to the Future two was later in the year. What's that? That was May. No, it was like November. Really, May was. Back to Future Three in 1990. Mm, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, let's uh, let's break it down. 
and we'll uh, rock and roll. Uh, released July 21st, 1989, on a budget of $5 million, at a box office of $6.1 million, directed by Jay Levy, written by Weird Al Yankovic and Jay Levy. Um, starring Weird Al Yankovic, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Michael Richards, David Bowe. Is it Bowe or Bowie? It's Bowe. Bowe, that's what I thought. Uh, Victoria Jackson, uh, and, you know, Dr. Demento makes an appearance. Um, Getty Watanabe is, uh, mm-hmm. is Cooney, the mm-hmm. martial arts instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kipper Kids, whoever they're, Fran Drescher's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, George, you want to take it away? Yeah, I'll get, uh, jump right in. Mm-hmm. Try, jump right in here. George Newman, a dreamer who bounces between jobs, is put in charge of Channel 62, a UHF television station, when his uncle Harvey wins ownership of it in a poker game. George and his friend Bob realize the station is nearly bankrupt, subsisting on reruns of old shows like Great Acres and Mr. Red, which, by the way, I would have watched that channel regardless. Absolutely. I love Mr. Red. Don't you, though? <laughs> you know the guy who was, uh, who was well where Mr. Red was the voice of Scrooge McDuck? Was it really? Yeah. A little something for you. Whoa, <laughs> Thanks. When a package meant for their competitor, VHF Station Channel 8, is misdelivered to Georgia Channel 62. Here comes that store. There it is, yeah. He decides to deliver it himself, only to be rudely thrown out by R.J. Fletcher, the CEO. Outside, George runs into Stanley, a janitor unfairly fired by R.J., and offers him a job at Channel 62. So the movie opens up like the way the Raiders of the Lost Ark does. And it's just, it, it's hilarity from the jump. It's it, it's Al dressed in the Indiana Jones outfit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, instead of whipping the gun out of the guy's hand, his whole arm comes off. Um, you know, instead of the the uh, Hofito fertility statue, it's an Oscar, mm-hmm. which is whole, still hilarious to this wow, day. Wow, it's coming out. Yeah. And then he just... Yeah, instead of uh, trying to weigh out his hand, he just says, fuck it, and just grabs it and runs off. Mm-hmm. And then the, the boulder just follows him through wherever. Yeah. And then it just turns out he's just daydreaming while he's at his job making burgers. Mm-hmm. Like we've all done. Yeah, which he gets uh, which he gets fired immediately and, th- and literally thrown out by Big Edna mm-hmm. after he squirts mustard on four people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then ends up, you know, just kind of getting a job with uh, at his uncle's... UHF station that he won in a, you know, his bluffing with a pair of sevens. Um, then he's just kind of thrown in charge of it and at the insistence of his aunt, who's a part of his wife, obviously, and takes his best friend Bob with him. And, you know, there's just really nothing going on with it. You know, there's a, it's just a friend, uh, Fran, Fran Drescher is the receptionist who wants to be a reporter. They got a Anthony Geary is Philo, the station engineer mm-hmm. who basically just looks like a skinnier version of Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. But funny thing, uh, Anthony Geary, he was for for uh, our middle aged woman listeners, mm-hmm. he was Luke on General Hospital of, mm-hmm. the, of the famous Luke and Laura fame. There we go. So, yeah, for the one middle aged woman who listens to this show, that's <laughs> you, Chrissy. <laughs> That's uh, saying that she's middle aged and not old. Oof. Um, you know, they, you know, he goes to R.J. Fletcher. He goes, oh, go scout the competition. Then R.J. You know, immediately cuts to R.J. Fletcher flipping out over a number two pencil, or, or that he wasn't given a number two pencil. And the guy who plays his son, Richard Jr., is John Paragon, who was a, he was a member of the Groundlings, you know, like that famous Chicago uh, troop, mm-hmm. comedy troop, and. He was also Jombie on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Was he? Yes. Mecca like a high, Mecca like a gotta hate you yeah, so I'd much right that now. Yeah, I stopped that if I were you. That's what? I didn't say Sim 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 Yeah, I, I cut that out if I were you. 
To which he then runs into Stanley Spadowski, a pre-Kramer, pre-racist Michael Richards. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. It's... Be nice. I, I am nice. Doesn't sound like it. Ah, well, you, your face. Okay. Your face. But the one thing about George is, uh, um, and you and I can clearly relate to George Newman in just about every way, because he just consistently making movie references at the drop of a hat at mm-hmm. any time. Like, we saw the mashed potatoes, and he makes the Devil's Tower from Close Encounters. Like, this means something. This is important. <laughs> like, there's, there isn't any given time where, where one of us won't sit there and just make a random movie reference All the at time. any time. All the time. I mean, I come, I, every time I wear a tie, I'm always, I look like a banker in this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or there's, there's always, these, always the, the Back to the Future reference. Or, as we've been saying to Chris as of lately, uh, part of the crew, part of the ship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's we can relate. And we do. Mm-hmm. George and Bob create new programs, including Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse, a live children's show hosted by George. The new show fails to increase viewership with the station days from bankruptcy, with the station days from bankruptcy. And while fretting over their finances, George forgets his girlfriend Terry's birthday dinner and she leaves him. George laments about his life on Uncle Nutsy and then goes to the bar for a drink with Bob, giving Stanley the opportunity to host the show. At the bar, they find the patrons enjoying Stanley's sopsick antics on Channel 62. Inspired by Stanley, George comes up with a range of bizarre shows to fill the schedule, headlined by the retailed Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse. Um, God, I fucking love that when he just, uh, when George shows up for the uh, for the first Uncle Nutsy's bit. Mm-hmm. And he's just being he's just being Al. He's just being wildly over the top. It's like Al really was just himself. Yeah, he yeah. didn't even need to be George. He could have just been Al Yankovic, mm-hmm. and we would have known we would have known nothing of the difference. But you know, he's got the Uncle Nutsy's clubhouse. He comes out and he's you know goes up to one kid. It's like ah, it's like hi. What's your name? <coughs> Billy. Billy. What? And the kid just spits in his face. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it holds up. It's great. You know, and then. Uh, He's feeding Bob dog biscuits that he thinks are cookies, mm-hmm. and he just hits Bob in the face with the frying pan. And uh, the uh, the big black cameraman, he, I believe he was actually in the fat video. Was he? I think he was in the beginning where he's, like, where he's like, you, where he's like, you want a piece of pizza? I got another piece around here somewhere. And pulls a piece of pizza out of his pocket. <laughs> I had to see his face. Yeah, ding dong, man, ding dong, ding dong. Yeah, um, it's a good pizza. It's, oof. I already had pizza flans, but I'll take more. Oh, you're so you're saying we should get more pizza though? Mm-hmm. Okay. Never had too much pizza. That's what she said. Mm. Pizza ass. Oh, oof. Ooh. It's never too Easy. early to start eating ass. Easy. Well, uh, I, I guess. <laughs> but one of the best things is when he does town talk, where it's just like his interview show, and he's interviewing the shop teacher who just cuts off his thumb and is just massively nonchalant about it. <laughs> just doesn't even care. <laughs> because of the Georgia screams, whoa! He's like, oh, would you look at that? <laughs> Call me Mr. Butterfingers. And just the blood is just is just spurting from the wound all over the place. Guys, that is one of the best parts of the movie. Oh, yeah. And he's looking, he's like, I think it's on the floor over there somewhere. And he's uh, scrambling to get it. But then, obviously, after Terry breaks up with him, and you know, he's just... But that's after that great... Um, um, the parody for Dire Straits Money for Nothing where he does put Beverly Hillbillies. I completely forgot that was in the movie. Yeah. Like completely forgot it. So it was like his way of just getting one of his music videos in the movie, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter because it works. Yeah, it does. It, it, yeah. it it's not like it doesn't feel shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. Like it's just natural because you know George daydreams 
you know, as he's done a couple times already in the movie. So it just fits in that he would imagine himself inside a Dire Straits video mm-hmm. to Beverly Hillbillies. God, great. And then uh, that's where, where, where Tara breaks up with him. And then he's, you know, morose on the show and then tells Stanley to host it while he goes and gets a drink. And then, you know, he goes, you know, and then finds the people in the bar just mesmerized by it. And he's like, shit, like, we have more of this. And then he comes up with more ridiculous shows. You know, Philo's got his own little science show. It's like, oh, I'm going to show you how to make plutonium for normal household items. Um, Raul's Wild Kingdom. Where it's like, oh, we're teaching poodles how to fly. And he's just throwing poodles out the window. Mm-hmm. It's the, but, terrible, but still. Yeah, but it's crazy. When the camera's pan back, you see there's just a pile of poodles on the ground outside this window. Um, it's just, you know, all these, like, ridiculous shows, but they but they get a following. You know, because who wouldn't watch those shows? Mm-hmm. You would. Oh, absolutely. You still do. That's true. Yeah. RJ infuriated that Channel 62's ratings now rival those of Channel 8, discovers Harvey owns the station and owes his bookie Big Louie 75000 by the end of the week and offers to pay off Harvey's debt in exchange for the deed to Channel 62. George launches a telethon to sell stock in the station, which would not only save it from RJ, but make it publicly owned. RJ's henchmen stall the telethon by kidnapping Stanley, whom George and several staff members rescue. RJ again attempts to stall the telethon with a televised, with a televised public statement, but engineer Philo hijacks it with footage of RJ insulting the city's population during a confrontation with Terry, which Philo had covertly reported. So it's getting all these ratings now, obviously, you know, with, with, with all these great shows, including uh, Bowling for Burgers with Chef Bernie, Celebrity Mud Wrestling, Celebrity Mud Wrestling with uh, this week's special guest, Mikhail Gorbachev. That's Don- your special guest for yep. all your talk shows. Gandhi 2, Conan the Librarian. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fant- just fantastic shit. Which the guy who plays Gandhi is actually Jay Levy, the director. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. We'll bit of a cameo there. Mm. And and you played Conan the Librarian. You did. I did? Yeah. Go back and look at the credits. Your, your name is there. Oh, wow. I was yeah. two. Yeah. Those were you were swole back then. Mm-hmm. Always. It's all all that what well, was eighties pizza? Eighties pizza actually gave you muscle. Mm. Look it up. That's true. Don't look it up. I, mean, I don't think they will. Mm-hmm. So, I mean Harvey ends up kinda Selling the station out from underneath, out from underneath uh, George and Bob, and Bob uh, or, or George convinces Harvey to, to you know to, to just let me have it by the end of the week to see if we can raise the money. So they decide to have the telethon, which is hosted by Stanley, which gets ratings because it's Stanley. You know, people want to give money. He's he's like the uh, he's like the Oprah of that show, just about. It's a good, it's a good way to put it because people love him. Yeah, I mean, you know. People love Stanley Spassky's as much as they love Oprah. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love Oprah? Oprah's the best. Mm-hmm. I can't. Miss, I don't think. I don't think anybody can say anything negative about Oprah. I don't know, I, maybe she's. I don't think so either. No, she seems well liked. But if Oprah ran for president, maybe not now, but maybe like ten, ten years 15 ago. Years ago, yeah. twenty oh. years ago. Oh yeah. Well, Which, maybe not in this country. <laughs> yeah, they probably would have asked for a birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Claim she was somewhere else. But uh, RJ has his own uh, like mob henchman because of course he does. It's an eighties movie, and they kidnap Stanley. So now they're kind of struggling to make ends meet through it. But we also get that like the newly revamped town talk segment mm-hmm. where it's just a takeoff of Geraldo, where he's just interviewing random people. Like he interviews a devil, 
And then he just throws water in his face. You make me sick! And throws the water in his face. <laughs> uh, like when he's in the audience and he's standing next to the old woman, he's got the microphone, he's like, sex or furniture, what do you think? And then puts the microphone in the old lady's face. <laughs> and then like he has like, you know, like the, the, uh, like the white nationalist, like the little girl, mm-hmm. like the killer with the hockey mask, has him all up on stage mm-hmm. and just turns into a brawl. And someone just throws the chair across the room and hits him in the face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you, Geraldo. That's great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> fuck Geraldo. Fuck Geraldo. Clown. He's a clown. Huge clown. Chris is a favorite. Ah, <laughs> oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, while all this is going on, also, Terry goes and visits uh, R.J. Fletcher and tries to convince him to not you know, to, to, to leave uh, Channel 62 alone. They're not hurting anybody. And then that's when he kind of insults the people. He's like, you know, the, it's like, uh, it's like uh, they, these people mean about as much to me as a festering bowl of dog snot. If you took all of the people's IQ and multiplied it by 100, you might have enough common sense to tie your shoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what, and Philo records the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But while Philo's recording it, he's also, that's when he notices that Stanley has been kidnapped. I mean, this is after he's been kidnapped already, but he sees him there and then calls George. And George's like, I'll think of something. And then uh, has that Rambo fantasy, which you absolutely love. Dean. Hmm? The Rambo fantasy. That oh, was. spoiler. Yeah. That's actually my favorite scene in the movie. Of course. Because it's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. No, is your is your facing the entire Rambo segment, or is it just when he walks up on the guy who's shooting him, and he's five feet from him, and pulls back the arrow, and fires, and the guy blows up? Well, it's the whole segment, but that is my yeah. favorite part of the segment. Yeah, it's fair. it's like the sweatiest bodysuit of all time. It was like they took that bodysuit from the set of Body Heat. Yeah, I'm like oh, this is still soaked. This is John Hurt. <laughs> William Hurt. Rest in, I'm sorry, him too. Yeah, rest, rest in peace, rest John in peace. Hurt and William. Yeah, Hurt. yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, picture John yeah. Hurt and Body Heat. This classical trained actor is like, I'm gonna have sex with you now. <laughs> oh no, not no, again! No, no, again. <laughs> <laughs> this took a turn. It did. <laughs> and then you know, George ends up showing up at the station. And then that's when Cooney and uh, Cooney and the other trainers from the from the karate studio show up and just beat the shit out of everybody. And I still don't know if, like, when they open up, because the, they're in the supplies closet. So to this day, I still don't know when they open the door if they yell supplies mm-hmm. or surprise. Yeah, I don't know either. Because I feel like if it's supplies, that's it's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. Because that's, you know, how, you know, they would use that accent anyway. Obviously, Getty Wadnabi was long duck dong in mm-hmm. uh, 16 Candles, which he doesn't talk like that. No, he doesn't. He talks, you know, he has a, a perfectly American accent. Talk. He doesn't go, oh, no more Yankee, my wanky. He doesn't talk like that. <laughs> John Hughes just like, hey, this is how Asian people talk, right? Hey, you're going to talk like this the entire movie. And then he just kind of used that same accent, but didn't go so far with it. He just kind of kept like a like a st- like a stereotypical accent, but didn't pronounce words funny. Mm-hmm. He just called people stupid as he threw them out the window. Or if they decided to pick the box instead of the red snapper on Wheel of Fish. Mm-hmm. God, that's, a, that's another great one, too. I really forgot about that. Oh, red snapper. Very tasty. The telethon ends $2,000 short of its goal. Harvey concedes victory to RJ, who, in, instead of immediately taking ownership, gloats to the crowd. Meanwhile, a hobo, whom George had helped earlier, approaches him, wanting to buy the rest of the stock with money he got from selling a rare coin that RJ had given him unaware of its true value. 
George pays off Big Louie, Harvey signs the ownership transfer, and the station officially becomes publicly owned. RJ learns that due to Channel 8's filing late for renewal of their broadcast license, and moreover, the rant Philo had broadcast, the FCC is revoking their license. George and the Channel 62 staff and their audience celebrate, and George and Terry rekindle the romantic relationship. Finn. So, obviously, you know, it, all, is, all is well. It ends on a happy note. You know, Big Louie shows up, and they get all the money. And the, the, the bum is like, hey, mister, I want to buy the rest of your stocks. 2,000 of them. Yeah, it's... Which is great, because earlier in the movie, he's sitting next to a blind man. While the blind man has a Rubik's Cube, and he keeps moving, he goes, this it? He's like, nope. This it? Nope. I didn't know what he was doing at first. I didn't either. I thought he was actually, like, like, like doing a car truck, and like, is this your car? And I look, but upon rewatches, I'm like, he's got a fucking Rubik's Cube. Mm. And he just, he's just trying a Rubik's Cube. Um, but yeah, also... With that, Philo's like, I need to go back to my home planet now. And George is just like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. And then he just disappears. It's <laughs> like an alien. To me, to me is I feel like this movie was like all the ridiculous tropes from other movies that Al thought were stupid. Yeah. So he just put him in this movie. Yeah. But it was great because it's like, like, like no one's shocked that Philo's an alien. It's just like, yeah. Like no one's shocked he's an alien. They're just, he's just like. Nope. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see you later. Thanks. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, Thanks for all your Nielsen help. comes out there and he's like, oh, I see we're no different from you. And he pees out his finger. Like, <laughs> like a scary movie three or four or whatever one I was. Oh, my God. And then George and Terry had that Gone with the Wind uh, fantasy. You all right? That's nasty outside. I think it just passed by, actually. I think yeah, it's, it's, it's slowing down, but the wind's still pretty bad. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, it's fine. Dean's scared of storms. So. I, I poopy pee-pee pants myself. <laughs> pee-pee poop. <laughs> I mean, I'm gooey. <laughs> awful. Awful, awful, awful. Um, yeah. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. What do you, uh, what's your favorite scene? Oh, my God. Uh, everything from the beginning to the end? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite comedies. Actually, I was uh, surprised. I don't mean to cut you off. I was really shocked when we were we everybody we were we were prepping our birthday uh, episodes, mm-hmm. um, and of course you know my plans to kind of just do Star Wars mm-hmm. on my birthdays and stuff like that. And George said UHF, and I was just like, no way! Like really? Like I had never even thought about wanting to do UHF, mm-hmm. and George thought I was telling him like no, and I was just like no, no, no. Like I'm just, are you being yeah. serious? And I was like, absolutely, this is a great movie. No, I, th- I think my I think my favorite scene in the movie is the is the clip from Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse mm. where they have to find the marble and the oatmeal, and then he gets mm. drink from the fire hose, mm-hmm. and he just gets sprayed off the horse. That is that is good. That, that is, is good. great. Yeah, uh, mine's definitely the Rambo scene though, because just because of that ridiculous bodysuit he's wearing. Yeah. And then when he's screaming as he's blowing up different, as mm-hmm. he's blowing everything up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, listen, I don't, ha- I don't have a, uh, a, a, a least favorite scene in this movie. There, I, there's no wasted motion. In this yeah, movie. this I mean, was this this movie was such like you said it perfectly. It was before its time, but it was so it was like just a brilliant comedy. Yeah. So no, I I I, I wish he would make a sequel. Yeah, I, I you know I I said this to my to to our friend Kevin. And I was like, what if that's what the, this rumored biopic is about? What if it's actually like, it's a biopic, but it's a parody biopic, but it's actually like a de facto sequel to UHF. What if it's like a, what if it's like a biopic of, of his character from this? It's a biopic of George Newman that's airing on UHF. Mm-hmm. 
Like what? I said, that would what, be great. I was like, how, what kind of like Inception bullshit would that be? <laughs> <laughs> but that you would live also inside but, a dream. Yeah, but, <laughs> but that would also be the most weird Al thing. Ever. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it's it's like it, it's already the fact that he's cast yeah. somebody that's ten times better yeah. looking than he was at that age because because Dale Radcliffe is like super veiny and ripped because yeah. he's a really skinny guy and that's not how Al yeah. ever looked. And every, I feel like this is a parody movie. And Ever Rachel Wood is playing Madonna. Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> I hope they have a relationship in the movie. Like, I really hope this is, like, such a... Uh, such a... Par- like a such Are you a- hoping that there is a Weird Al Madonna sex scene in this movie? Mm-hmm. I really, really, really hope it's... it's- I hope it, and, and I hope it's super overdone, like, in, a, in, in Reno 911 Miami, where they show like that sex scene, but it ends up being just two, like, fit people in the room next door. No, I hope it's a sex scene from, uh... From, uh... Um, uh... Oh, my God. <sighs> Load a weapon. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying. Well, to fatal remember. instinct. Fatal instinct. Fatal instinct. What oh, I yeah. want to say would have just jump yeah. on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing backflips. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people could see what I just did. Yeah. But. <laughs> and they're in, uh, they're inside the fridge, mm-hmm. and then he's just buffing just her ridicu- butt with a uh, ridiculous stuff, <laughs> ridiculous stuff. But uh, what do you give that down? Like I really want to give this a ten out of ten, mm. but you know, I don't know. But when you look at the other movies that we give ten out of ten to, you know, yeah, it's like tough. Indiana it's, Jones, yeah, like Back to the Future, like those are great movies. But like this, I mean, it's such a. Maybe we should start. Maybe you know, I could, we could. I, this I, I'm, I'm going to post something for you right now. What if we start ranking movies, rating movies out of ten in terms of its genre? So as a comedy, what would you give this movie out of ten as a comedy? As a comedy, it's a. I mean, as a comedy, you can. I would go maybe nine, nine and a half, just mm-hmm. because the cast. I mean, aside from Al, who's. I mean, Al is great, and Fred. Mm-hmm. This is Fran Drescher before we really knew Fran Drescher. Yeah. Well, well, at the very least, before the nanny, mm-hmm. she was already Bobby Fleckman, and this is Spinal Tap a few years mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. So she. I mean, like the, these are all people just from the Groundlings. Yeah. So you can't even say that anyone's bad. And Kevin McCarthy is the guy who plays uh, R.J. Fletcher. Mm-hmm. He was already a, a, an established actor. Oh, yeah. He was in the. He was on the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. If I remember correctly, I believe he died shortly after this movie came out. No, he actually died not long ago. Because and and he was on, and he was also on the he was also on. Uh, Somebody that, died not long after. He was also in season out. one of the Golden Girls, so like he's been around. He's done a lot of things. Um, I can actually look him up. I got him right here. He died in 2010. Hmm. There's somebody that died that's in this movie that didn't. It was, um, oh, it was the guy who played. Um, it was the guy who played uh, uh, Uncle Harvey uh, Bil- uh, Bilchick. Harvey Bilchick, yeah, yeah. He died like six months after this movie came out. I mean, I can't even say with the better. With, 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 well, they get better, more fine-tuned cast, but it's just that the cast was unknown. But you yeah. can't. But I don't. You can't fault that because the movie is made off of a five million dollar budget, so you can't fault it because it worked. With, it worked with everybody that they had. So you know what? As a comedy, fuck it. I'm going ten out of ten. Okay. Because uh, you know, I, I can't I argue can, that because I can't find fault with it. But I don't know if I can't find fault with it because I love the movie so much. Mm. I'm sort of looking. Like, oh, this uh, this script is stilted and bad. Mm. It didn't make any money. You don't need to make money to be a good movie. It's true. I mean, it. The, this falls under the. I mean, the, this is, and for, for for all intents and purposes, it's a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, this is like the definition of a cult classic. Exactly. Um, I would. I'll go with you as a as I'll give it a ten out of ten as a comedy. I mean, like I said, this is one of my all time favorite comedies. 
I mean, on um, the whole, as a, on the whole, as a, as a regular movie, probably like just if you want to look at just like the, the cast just not being well known mm-hmm. and being kind of fairly weak, maybe an eight, maybe a seven. Can't, can't argue against that. But yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Uh, well, that's that's UHF. Um, hey, I just wanted to put it out there. I would like to say rest in peace to Estelle Harris. Yes, everybody may know her as George Costanza's mom. Serenity now. Um. And uh, she was also the voice of Mrs. Uh, Potato, Mrs. Potato Head in Toy Story. Long career. She one of those, you know, uh, well-known TV actors mm-hmm. and stuff, actresses, whatever, you, whatever term you want to use. And she's also, I mean, and one of the most recognizable voices too. Sure. Yeah. So uh, she passed late last night. Actually, we were still. We were. I think I had just left Chris's last mm-hmm. night when I saw that she had passed. Because she was also the voice of. Remember early in, early in Family Guy. When Peter gets struck by lightning, he's on the golf course, and mm-hmm. death and, and death has to like take him around. But he ends up going home with his mom. She was the voice of Death's mom. Yeah, she was. She's like, don't yell at your mother. If yeah. you do, a hen will lay eggs in your belly. So, but uh, <laughs> and, and she joins uh, Don Rickles, the the original Mister Potato Head, because uh, he died because he died a, a couple years ago. Who replaced him as Mr. Potato? Nobody. They use archive footage. Or they use archive uh, audio. Do they really? Is yeah. that what they did for four? I have still yet to see Toy Story uh, 4. Yeah, that, I, I didn't see it, but that's what they did for him. They oh, used, good. They, they used stuff that they already had recorded and just kind of put it oh, in cool. the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier once his voiceover work, too. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I don't think there's anything else to really touch on. We did, you know, a great movie review. Um, you know, funny, she didn't start doing movies until 1984. Wow. Um... But yeah, I think I think that's about it. Um, again, uh, hope you enjoy the review. Uh, you, I'm sure you did if you're listening this far. And her first her first television appearance was in '85 on Night Court. Wasn't really Night Court. Your favorite show. I love. I, uh, I'm not even going to argue with you because I love Night Court. Yeah, it's a great show. Um, I wish it was streaming on something. I can't believe it's not. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, WrestleMania Night Two tonight. Um, you know, I'm going to pose the question. We've asked it on a couple different things. George, who do you think wins? Bro- uh, Brock or Roman? I think Roman. I think you got to go, Roman. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, <clears throat> so I'm looking forward to that. George, I'm looking forward to that. Chris is coming up in a couple hours. We'll, we'll watch it together like we did, you know, night one last night. Um, again, there will not, will not be a WrestleMania review this year on this channel. It'll be on the hot tag. Um, you know, Chris's long-standing wrestling podcast. George is the co-host of that. Um, and uh, I pop in when Chris tells me what they're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, check, keep an eye on that. I think we're. I think Chris said we're going to record that Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. We're going to because we, yeah, be, I, I, yeah, because he's also going because we're also going to yeah. do the Raw after Mania. And I'm sure we'll talk about like takers, acceptance beats, and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm sure that's going to be all just intertwined together. So keep an eye on that. Uh, again, about midweek, we're going to do the fifth element in honor of um, the great um, Bruce Bruce Willis retiring. Um, hopefully, he can live a nice, good life, um, however long you know he lives. I'm, I'm not. I don't know how uh, like lethal aphasia can be. I know it's uh, when I googled it. It's unfortunately a disease that is typically stems from like a stroke or some sort of a tumor or potential brain cancer. So hopefully, you know, he can have a good quality of life for a long time. That's why he's retiring. So, um, but, uh, yeah. So we'll check us out, um, this coming week. 
and and then we'll see you next. I can't remember exactly what we're doing next week. I think it might be the Phantom Menace, actually. Uh, let me go to the picture that I have saved. Yeah, the reason why we're doing the Phantom Menace, everybody, in April is because next month is the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones. So, uh, yes, it's the Phantom Menace after we do um, the Fifth Element. Okay, so that'll be coming. That'll be coming the following, you know, Sunday, Monday, mm-hmm. usual. That twenty-four hour drop time, um, and um, yeah, so we'll we'll talk to you then, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening, uh, George. Anything else to add? Nope. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, I've been Dean Holtzavel. I'm still George Rogers, and we will see you in the multiverse. <laughs>